Now the Christ has risen. What do we do next? <clears throat> Welcome to the Journey Home Outreach Ministers Bible Study. Message of the Bible, Lesson 9. I am Elder Faye, your teacher for the Message of the Bible series. The question that was asked at the beginning, Now that Christ has risen, what do we do next? In our zeal to please Jesus, the first thing we want to do is start witnessing to others, telling them about our Lord and Savior. That's not a bad idea, but we want that time and energy to be effective. Our purpose is to bring people to Christ in a way that they will become disciples also. The first and foremost important thing for us is to be sure of our own salvation. In Romans 10th chapter, the ninth verse says that if we shall confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and shall believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, that shall be saved. Our salvation is received through confession of sins and faith in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. According to the scripture, there is no further requirements for our salvation beyond this. In Acts, the second chapter, the 38th verse, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do next? Number one, we make sure our own salvation is secure. Number two, we do what Peter just said. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is then and only then are we ready to lead others to Christ. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit that will enable us to convince people of their need for salvation. Our salvation is prerequisite to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us witness effectively. In John the 16th chapter, the 8th through the 11th verse, it says, And when he comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world of sins. He will reprove the world of sins and of righteousness and of judgment. He will reprove our sins because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. So, before witnesses, what did the Jesus' disciples do? Let's listen and see. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, he still had some teaching to do to prepare his disciples for that momentous task set before them. Let's take a look at the scripture and see. In Mark, the 16th chapter, the 14th through the 16th verse. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. This word upbraided means to find fault with someone, to actually scold someone. So he actually scolded them because they did not believe the others that he had rose from the dead. In Acts, the first chapter, the fourth through the fifth verse said, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, 
He gave them this commandment, do not leave Jerusalem. They were not ready. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is telling them, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, before you are given the power you need to do this work. Through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, God promises power to do His work. This is not a part-time job. It is not a hobby. It is a commitment. Jesus knew that a day would come, however, when He would no longer be with them physically. Yet His followers still had this huge task of carrying on His work throughout the world. In Matthew 28, chapter 19 through the 20th verse, he would have to go away, returning to the Father. So he would send the Holy Spirit who would convict the world of sins and guide all who would follow Christ into the great truth of his teachings. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the promised gift. Following his resurrection, Jesus helped his disciples understand what had taken place and why. The task before them would be large. So they were to wait for the promise. Just before returning to his father, Jesus spoke to him, his disciples. He told them, this is what is risen. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And re repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witness to these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He told them to stay in the city until they were clothed with power. That word power. Let's take a quick look at the world's power versus spiritual power. Our world today is obsessed with power. So let's look at the world and their obsession with power. We have massive machines that can dig through mountains, rocket engines that can cause the ground to shake, nuclear warheads yielding enough power to destroy entire cities. Our automobile engines are built to deliver more and more horsepower. Power is an issue that relates not only to the physical world, but to the spiritual world as well. While the purpose and use of spiritual power is much different from that of physical power, it is nonetheless crucial to accomplish God's kingdom purpose for you in this world. Jesus knew that a day would come, however, when he would no longer be with his disciples physically, yet his followers will have this very momentous task to carry on his work throughout the entire world. Before Jesus left earth, Return to the Father in heaven, he commissioned his followers. In Matthew 28, chapter 19 through the 20th verse, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he said, Lo, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Making disciples of all nations would be a big 
task. And Jesus knew that his followers would face many challenges and many obstacles in fulfilling this commission. It's an intense spiritual power that is needed among God's people throughout the church whose responsibility is to carry out this mission of bringing the lost into a relationship with Christ. Therefore, they would need a measure of power far beyond their own ability. Jesus promised to send this power. In Mark 16, chapter the 15th through the 18th verse, And he said to them, Go into the entire world and complain proclaim the gospel of the to all creation whosoever believe and is baptized will be saved but whosoever does not believe will be condemned all these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up serpents with their hands and if they Drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What awesome power this is that God has given to those who believe. Of all our marvelous of all the marvelous powerful things mentioned above, there's one thing seems to get more attention in the church. Let's look at number two. They will speak in new tongues. Nothing in the, in the scripture divides us as Christians more than the subject of speaking in tongues. Come with me to the scripture so we can understand the message of the Bible concerning speaking in tongues. First, let's take a look at Pentecost. Studying from the book of Acts. Acts the second chapter, the first through the fourth verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The day of Pentecost is known as the beginning of the church. Many people suddenly began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. But they spoke in real languages that people of each particular language could understand. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In Acts the second chapter, the fourth through the eleventh verse, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from from among all nations under heaven. Think what an opportunity to tell the whole world about about, about the gospel of Jesus. Do you actually think God the Father, who promised He would send the power of the Holy Spirit to empower believers for this momentous task? Would not at this time make true on his word and show his power and the power, the work of the Holy Spirit he had promised? When, he, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together 
in bewilderment because each one heard them speak in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Perinthians, Medians, and Emilites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Perigai, and Pelopilia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and convert to Jerusalem, to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonderful wonders of God in our own tongue. The ability to speak in tongues of the language were gifts that God gave to some so that the gospel could be preached to those nations. The tongues they were speaking in were actually understandable languages. We must remember that everything that God does and that Jesus is the Holy Spirit to is as stated in Ephesians 4, chapter 12 to the 13th verse. It is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If our actions in the church are not fulfilling Ephesians 4 chapter to 12th to the 13th verse, no matter how good it sounds or look, it is a waste of time and energy. And as far as, far as building the body of Christ is concerned. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the 27th to the 31st verse, it says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. As God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. All are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And in verse 31 he said, Now eagerly desire the greater gift. As we studied in 1 Corinthians 14, keep in mind Ephesians 4, 12, and 13. All is done for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, keep that in mind as we study 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Verse 1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speak in tongues, speak not to man, to God, for no one understands him, but he utter mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speak to people for their upbuilding, 
and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but every more to prophesize. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless. Let me clarify this. Let me read this again. He says, The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. It's not saying he's altogether better. He said, unless someone's interpret, so that the church may be built up. In verse 6, he said, Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Listen to this example he gives. In verse 7, he said, If anyone, if, if even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the heart, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what's played? In verse 8, And if a bugle give an indistinct sound, who will get ready for the battle? In verse 9, he says, So with yourself. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not understandable, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. In verse 10, there are doubtless there are doubtless doubt, 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 doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without measure without meaning. In verse eleven, it says, "But if I if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager." For manifestation of the Spirit, try to excel in building up the church. In verse 13, he said, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. In verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my mind, but I will pray with my mind. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can another in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? In verse 17 he said, For you may be given thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. In verse 18 he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. In 19, but he said, Nevertheless, in the church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. In verse 20, if he go on to say, Brethren, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In verse 21, 
in the law it is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me says the Lord in 20, verse 22 he said thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers why prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers in verse 23 if therefore the whole church come together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter will they not say that you all are out of your minds verse 24 but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enter he is convinced by all he is called to account by all the secret of his heart are disclosed and so fallen on his face he will worship God and declare that God is really among you the church is about orderly worship so that all who hear may be built up in the body of Christ. This is not about us looking better than anyone else. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 14 chapter 26 to the 23rd verse and learn. He says, What then, brethren? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a, revel a revelation, a tongue or interpretation let all things be done for building up in the 27th verse he said if any speak in tongues that there be only one two at the most and let me go back in verse 27 if anyone speak in tongues let there be only two or at most three and each speak in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church, and speak to himself and God. Verse 29, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the other way what is said. And verse 30 says, If a revelation is made, another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Now that we are disciples ready to spread the gospel of the kingdom, and build up the body of Christ, which is the church. For us, the throne of judgment has now become a throne of grace. So join me next Bible study as we come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of our physical needs. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord give you peace.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.